I think that good photography is done when you have a kind of, you know, when you're out of control, where you can just let yourself take a step into the unknown. I'm Jordan Weitzman, and you're listening to Magic Hour, my chance to talk with photographers and people involved in the medium. We learn about their backgrounds, thought processes, and ideas that have shaped their work. When I went to visit Alex Soth, he told me that he often thinks about photography like he does about music. Sometimes you're in the mood for soul, sometimes jazz, but everyone usually goes back most often to what they love the most. For him, our guest Mark Steinmetz is the ultimate singer-songwriter. So many of the photographers that I've gone to speak with for the show have talked to me about the influence of Mark Steinmetz's work, particularly in the way he photographs people. Look through any one of his books, from Summertime to South Central, and you'll see why. He's the author of 12 monographs, a Guggenheim Fellow, and his work is held in almost every major collection, including the Met, MoMA, and the Whitney. It was a beautiful morning when I went to go visit him at his home in Athens, Georgia, so we decided to do this interview on the screened-in porch overlooking his studio and the North Oconee River. He has a little Zen fountain in his backyard that was running, and that got us on to talking about meditation, which he's been practicing consistently for over 20 years. I think it's good to do. I think it's something that's very normal for people to do, and um, it's, a, it's sort of this um, asset we have. If we do this, then we're... I mean, we're just in possession of ourselves um, much more fully... And especially now, the way society is, you know, it's based on a kind of distraction. And uh, so it brings clarity. Basically, there's no, it's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, breathing and then surrender. So it's not like there's no mantra other than breathing. There's no religion. There's no ritual, really. Hmm. How do you feel that meditation relates to your photography? I think there's an absorption maybe that takes place when you are photographing, that you are absorbed by... Um, oh, that's my assistant. I think she's blowing um, dust off of negative she's scanning. <laughs> um, anyway, there's an absorption, and it takes you out of yourself. It takes you out of your, your, you know, your mundane habits. Yeah. And you see something that's startling, and you... or you're just absorbed more by the world and you're less preoccupied with yourself. You know, people who are one with the universe are empty themselves first. I wonder if we can go back a bit and talk about how you first got into photography. I always felt I had something going on with photography. Even as a, um, in high school, that's when I first saw this uh, photo by Gary Winogrand and I was in Iowa and um, no real you know art background and um, this picture from Utah 1964 and it's this cow that's fallen down uh, you know on the middle of a road it's sort of in mid-moment mid-fall and he's photographing it through his windshield and I just you know I saw that and I knew that I just responded to it and the other pictures in this sort of compilation looked to me very facile they were just you could look at them you could get it so I think I have a very I was very fortunate to just have this mind that really at the beginning 
I wanted something that um, wouldn't be too easy and, um, w you know, the experience wouldn't complete itself. Um, you know, the experience of looking at a photo wouldn't just complete itself and be done and like, oh, how, you know, I get it, I see it, because that's kind of a, then it's sort of a boring aftertaste. What was the process like of going from seeing that photo and seeing a possibility of what can be done photographically to actually doing it yourself? Well, I did highly imitative things. I mean, I've, I've photographed some uh, cows in silhouettes, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, and I have a book out, um, uh, Angel City West, where I was 22 and photographing with Winogrand. And I can see a lot of influence in, in the work. And looking through it, there, there's a... Um, but there's also a lot of spirit. I mean, the spirit of the time, I think these people like Henry Wessel, um, Bill Dane, and, you know... Winogrand, Friedlander, Eggleston. There's something about that time that people were, were really, um, I mean, it was all conceptual photography to me, you know, but they had good minds, you know. They were trying to work with the world and uh, come up with pictures that were unexpected by normal pictorial assumptions. It just suited me, you know. I mean, I so... And then later, I mean, getting back to the question of, of my own growth, I mean, I think I just... just to push it away from that, to push my work into different arenas. How did you get out to L.A. in the first place? How come you moved out there, and how did you meet Winogrand? Well, I always, somehow I had a notion that um, the West was a great place to photograph, the Southwest and California, and I think, and I, I got into Yale right after undergraduate, went to the Yale School of Art, and then after my first semester there, I mean, I declared I wasn't coming back. and How come? Well, I was restless, you know, and I, uh, I think I learned a lot about um, exposure and development, and um, in particular, um, Todd Papageorge gave a great talk on, like, Cartier-Bresson, and also some on Auger, and, um, um, and it was just all I needed, in a way, I needed to know that there could be a group of people in a room who could discuss photography intelligently, you know, that there would be a community um, in the way that, you know, um, classic literature is discussed in college, you know, wait, classes. So wait, so that's why you went to Yale or that's why you dropped out? No, no. So I think I had enough. Oh. I, I mean, I, I, I was <laughs> satisfied. It was good. Um, but I was restless, <laughs> and um, I didn't think you really needed an MFA to be a photographer. And in those days, um, this is like, you know, that was actually I left in 88, fall of 82. Um, I think I was 21 exiting. Did that seem like a bold move to you at the time? Like you just got into one of the best schools in the world, and you decided to <laughs> just to take off and go do your thing. Yeah, um, I mean, I thought I could um, make it somehow, uh, but it, really I, I found out that the world was not, especially in California, uh, the world was not interested in straight photography, you know, and, and um, um, there was very little money to be made. There, were, I mean, I guess people were getting teaching jobs, um, you know, the galleries were pretty... But I thought it would be sort of easier. And I, I think I did have an interest in film. I went to L.A. I think I wanted to be closer to the film. I wanted to just 
be out in America. Um, Did you ever think about becoming a filmmaker? Yeah, not seriously. Not seriously. I studied a lot of film. I I would have liked to have done movies, I think, but I was never the kind of person who could um, command like a crew. You know, I couldn't... Um, you've got to get money for it. Um, you know, so you need certain business skills, leadership skills, which I didn't have. So what I could do was, um, I could just take my camera and take photos. Right. It's so basic and direct. And it's, it's like a poet with their sheet of paper and their, their pen. Yeah. But, um, you know, I knew a few people out in LA. I, I, I did have a girlfriend there, and um, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. Know. Um, How did you meet Winogrand? I mean, the story is I went around, and I, I guess I asked to a, a couple people and in the photo world there, and they both thought that Winogrand wasn't there, mm. which I thought was that he'd left, and that were just they were just simply not informed. And then I, I then I saw him the first time in a camera store. He was with his assistant. And, um, you know, I think I asked him about assisting and, but anyway, it was, it was just, you know, hello. And then, then I saw him all over the place in no time. I mean, I guess we were going to some, uh, street fairs, you know, public places. Um, but, but some of them were pretty out of the way. And then it turned out that we were, well, we were both there at the LA County Fair in Pomona and, and he had seen me so much that it just seemed like, okay. And that we talked and, and, um, we lived fairly close to one another in L.A. terms. And uh, then we drove out there the next week, and we just drove around. Did you ever show him any work? No. 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 When you look back on that experience and, and just knowing him and getting to hang out with him, what comes back to you the most that's been helpful in your own practice? I don't know about what's been helpful. Um, I mean, I, when, I th- when I think back, I just think of him, his, him physically, you know, him turning in the car him smiling his just his gestures um in art schools they don't really teach how you actually approach a person you know if you're taking the portrait how you actually are when you are like really out there walking around you know um, i was very fortunate to photograph with gary winogrand just just see how he does it you know and um what the day is like for him, and um, he was very quick to get out of his mind and 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 to stay away from nonsense, you know, about um, thinking about photography and and you know trying to stay very practical and very simple, um, which to me are are you know virtues. When asked about what makes an interesting photograph, he said that it has to do with the contention between content and form invariably. What does that mean to you? Well, what he said was that it's um, the contest that you have form on the verge of overwhelming content or content on the, for- on the verge of overwhelming form. So to me, it's just like, um, it's like the same thing as good Zen. It's, it's like uh, you, if the, con- you know, the picture has to be more interesting than what it describes. Um, if you're just in front of something that's, sensational and you make a picture it doesn't really make it a good picture you know you if you look at Cartesia's work I mean he made pictures out of nothing 
and that's what's great. You know, I think if you look at somebody like Eggleston, too, in in some cases, um, the pictures are really strong, but you don't know how they're strong. You know, how do you think Walker Evans managed to do that? When you take a more um, documentary style or objective approach to photography, do you see that in the same in the same way? I mean, Evans is just uh, Evans is just on another level. I mean, Evans is, he's he's so great. He's so modern. Um, I mean, not that he's on a higher level than Winogrand. They're 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 very different. But um, you know, I don't know what I can say about Evans or Ajay. They 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 rule. You know, <laughs> there's this thing that uh, that I'm reminded of that Peter Glassie said. Yeah, because I di- I didn't get Evans when I first saw him. I found that I mean I just I just didn't get it. It was uh it, it was really difficult work for me to kind of penetrate. And I think the thing that got me to really understand it was this thing that Peter Glassie said, which was that you know Evans is very deceptive in a way. You know, because he looks like he's presenting you with all the facts, but by virtue of the facts that he's presenting you with, he's painting a picture of the world. He's creating something. He's creating a literary kind of world. Yeah, no, but he's he he has a removal of himself. Maybe what you were talking about earlier with Gary, that you know his pictures they 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 seem authoritative. You know, I think he says authoritative, literate, transcendent. It's as if he's removing, in some cases, the this sort of human mind behind it. it's sort of the opposite of frank you know frank is always has a subjective gaze you know you, you you know he's looking through if you compare the the out the hotel room window picture of evans in you know new york um with that elm tree and those you know the wet streets and the and the cars and compared with butte montana where Frank is looking through this sort of veil of curtains and everything is gray and grainy. You know, it's with the Frank, it's like there's a human gaze. The, this this person is behind these curtains and you feel that gaze going through onto this bleak scene and it it's all about his feeling. Evans kind of removes the feeling. It's just completely dry and um, I think it's more powerful that way, you know. So we're talking about Evans now, who was working in the 20s and 30s, and we're talking about Robert Frank, who was working in the 50s and 50s onward. And thinking and talking about the gaze, do you think about uh, the importance of the way of seeing in terms of the time that the work is made in? Like, if you look at Evans today, like Evans' pictures today mean something a lot different than they did uh, 75 years ago? Uh, I'm not sure about that. He was of his time, but he was also, he, he could step outside of it. So he is, I think he knew he was um, defining it or defining a portion of it for the ages, you know. How do you, th- how do you think about all this in the context of your own work? Um. Well, I feel I feel like I'm a modern person, and um, I'm not going to um, run out and um, you know grapple with an issue because a lot of people are. Or, or uh, um, I'm just following my own course, my own path, and I've been photographing in Europe a bit on city streets. You know, I have a million 
pictures I'm photographing at the airport. It's definitely very high tech, you know. Um, I think the way pictures, I mean, everybody's on their cell phone for one thing, you know. Um, And it'll look different in 10 years from now. Um, I think the way that bodies of work are, uh, that certain bodies of work are put together now that I might put together, it will be different from before. I think earlier, like my Little League Baseball uh, um, book, for example, The Players, it's a very traditional kind of, actually it's not traditional, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's traditional if you, if you don't see it. Um, but it's, it's a subject, you know, that I um, um, was describing and different aspects of it. And uh, now I think there's more, you can have more slippage, more... Um, um, you know, different pull-in pictures from different places. But uh, Evans did that. You know, Evans had press pictures mixed in, He, you know, um, I think yeah. from Cuba. And he was uh, he was postmodern in many ways, appropriating... Uh, the thing that I'm interested in, or that I'm curious how you think about, is um, just the Internet, for example, or certain phenomena of the, you know... Facebook and Instagram. There's something very unreal about it. Mm. Um, people get, uh, you know, kind of lost in it, and um, they think there's some reality to it, but it, it, it's a very unreal place in many ways. Um, so there is something about stepping out into the into the sunshine and um, just feeling the the way the earth is, you know, physically. That is uh, maybe it's a counterpoint to this sort of uh, unreal realm that a lot of people are spending their time in. How do you feel about all of it? I mean, well, I guess I know how you feel about all of it. But no, I, I love it. I love. I mean, I. I mean, I'm. I can. I can. I can watch tennis in Australia. You know, <laughs> and I can see. Just yeah, I think it's great. You no, and I can disseminate work and um, I can Google myself and you know find out that that uh, somebody's writing something or the work's being posted somehow. Yeah. How do you feel about Instagram? I, I don't really know it. I don't know it. I know people are doing it. Uh, I know initially it was um, like square pictures, which mm. I thought was ridiculous. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's so fascist. Why would you make, <laughs> you know. But why, is it, why is it fascist? Well, you make a picture, why wouldn't it be... I mean, now I understand that people, you can do any kind of shape you want, and and maybe you could have initially uh, with some work, but um, I mean, no, just to... Because uh, it's it's just saying that all our needs are the same, and our need is simply a square. Mm. I mean, that's pathetic. (laughs) But how about just the whole... It's like it takes up so many people's time and just that whole anyway. It doesn't take up my time. Yeah, exactly. Which is my time. I think it's a good. It's a good thing. I'm much more interested in a in a in an edited version of photography. I believe that good photographs are extremely difficult to make, and you have to. uh, It's this requires a kind of um, a careful, awake mind, you know, to make a picture that contains a lot. And, uh, you know, you simply don't see it on, on the Internet. It's, uh, so maybe it's just adding confusion. And there's something different about a, uh, a photograph on a printed page that's not electronic and, and, uh, versus looking on a screen. 
Um, I mean, I'm wacky enough to think that our, our uh, pupils have little chakras, you know, and I, I don't think it's healthy to be looking at this screen all the time. So you've always been more interested in images that have been edited, compiled and edited. And, yeah, I and mean, that, I mean, and I'm, books, interested, books. I'm interested in good work and work that can last. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've been to the Louvre and, and, I, <laughs> and I'm interested in the, the pictures there, you know, and... Um, I think it's daunting for a photographer, yeah, but I think it's that's the task to make something that's going to uh, reverberate, last, matter, be cherished, and um, yeah, you can do something uh, casually, and it can be it can be good, mm. you know. Um, but I think it's generally the 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 overall purpose is very important. How you define the subject, how you. Uh, you know, what your your long-term body of work is. You know, you just said that making good pictures is, is a really difficult thing. Do you find that over the years... Or maybe rare, you ra- know. Okay. Is it still as rare for you as as it was? Like, do you feel when you go out, you have a better, a different sense of what's going to work or that you know how to make a good picture? Or is it always a, a more of a, I don't know, a surprising kind of thing? Well, hopefully it's a surprising kind of thing. You you don't want to like uh figure it out really, you know. You you, you don't want it's cuz that's you don't want to come up with a formula where okay, now I'm making good pictures. You know, I I have made I've made good bodies of work and then I stop because I don't want to do more like this. You know, I've done it. Right. You know, so if it's done, it's it's boring. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to. Um, you know, I I think that good photography is done when you have a kind of, you know, when you're out of control, where you mm. can just let yourself take a step into the unknown. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you look at, at a work of art, be it a photograph, a painting, a sculpture, and I mean anything, do you ever think of the difference between interesting and beautiful? Not really. No? Not really. I, I mean, I think that there are pretty pictures, um, but they've never really moved me, you know. Um, no, I think that beautiful and interesting, they might be the same thing. It has to be interesting. Um, I guess there's something that might be visually pleasing, but it doesn't really work for me, not, not in photography. It might work for um, a carpet or, um, you know... But you could also say that something could be interesting, but you may not want to look at it every day or have it in your home. Well, I think there are pictures that are interesting, yeah, and they're not meant for the wall. You know, mm. I mean, I'd, it's just uh, so I'm not sure what to say. I, maybe, maybe they're maybe they're the same thing. Um, you know, I, I certainly think there are a lot of um, sort of luminous, beautiful pictures. Um, and they're a little different from pictures that might be cruder and blunter. Um, like I wouldn't, I guess I would not say with Ouija how beautiful, 
mm-hmm. you know, but um, he's certainly interesting. So mm-hmm. maybe there is a distinction. Mm. But Friedlander, um, are they beautiful? Are they interesting? You know, I think he has a sophisticated notion of beauty. Mm. He's, he, I, but he's, I think he's after a kind of beauty. But it, it's like Robert Adams says, it's, it's uh, you know, show affection for the world without lying about it. You know, so when you start the not lying about it, then maybe you're getting into more interesting and away from beauty. Hmm. Maybe some beauty is about lying about it. I've never heard of that that quote of his. Show affection for the world without lying about it. Yeah. Do you believe in that? I think so, yeah. Yeah? I think uh, Evans, uh, certainly, too. He had, um, I think he, he's critical of American culture, but he's also admiring, you know, this folk art advertisement. Um, you know, this kind of architecture. Um, I guess I'm interested in the word lying in that, in that, uh, that quote and how it relates to photography. You know, how about how... Well, lying is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like advertising. It's like people smiling f- to sell the product or, um, I mean, what do these people have to feel good about? You know, or, I mean, I don't know. Right. Um, no, lying is to kind of just you slip into this you know, where you're trying to please and approve of something that, uh, well, anyway, you, but that's not maybe lying. I, uh, so, yeah, I've always felt that as a photographer, you are kind of creating this new incarnation of, of whatever it is that you're looking at. You're, you know, you're, you're placing a frame around something and you're including content, you're framing it in a certain way. So in a sense you are lying, but well, well, yes, I mean, the, a straight photograph doesn't look like the world. Right. You know, it's optical, It's on, especially black and white. Um, it doesn't compete with reality anyway. And then it's a moment, um, you know, if you're photographing somebody, it's not like the truth about the person. You, you might be photographing your, your friend and who's opposite you and they're laughing and the picture looks like they're they're in this moment of extreme anguish, you know. Mm. Uh, but it's so it's misleading, um, and it's fictional in some some regards. How do you separate yourself from whatever's going on in front of you in the pictures? Well, I don't think I separate myself from it. I'm not trying to um, uh, you know be cold, you know. But I think there you have to have an inner editor. You have to be practical about what is actually going to be. Uh, you know, demonstrated by the photograph you take. So, I mean, I feel that there's an involvement, but um, it's just the nature of photography to be true to what the camera's, how the camera's going to work. Um, you know, people are always, pr- pr- you know, they think they're taking a picture of this person or, you know, this is, this is a picture of this. You ask what the, the picture's about to a student, but it's also, it's that person, but it's also everything else that's in the frame. Right. You know, and um, so sometimes people are kind of wishing that the picture is about this thing, but really, uh, just the way the camera sucks up the world, it's um, about everything else in there too. You know. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about bookmaking, in terms of um, presenting your own work. Has bookmaking always been an important thing to you? Yeah. Um, I've always thought of myself as a uh, photographer who makes books. Um, I didn't, I wasn't making them for a long time, but that's how I learned about photography. You know, um, 
I mean, you you have a, a body of work that's bound, and it it begins and ends in a sequence, and um, it's something that you can um, flip through and return to. So it's very different from you know a show where you have to be like kind of spot on. The pictures might be bigger. Um, you might feel them viscerally in a certain way. That's different from a book, but the, the book is more of an introspective. Um, experience and it's something that can grow over time um, and so yeah mostly and that's how I learned and that's mostly how I want to share it um, before you did your your books with Nazreli press were you experimenting on your own with books were you kind of were you, well, were, were you I, I did I did one book before Nazreli I did Tuscan trees with the jargon society mm-hmm uh, those are of olive trees. It was odd that that would be my first book because I was, you know, I'd already shown I was I was known for photographing, you know, these, um, you know, American scenes. But uh, no, I was I was I was, um, you know, working on a dummy for the the Little League work a long time ago. But no, mostly there, for me, I was uh, there was just this always this crush of life. I was always photographing and making this body of work in my head, and um, just kept going until the energy seemed to subside, and um, which might have taken a long time. You know, there were, that's different from sort of fallow periods where I think I've gotten this stuff. You know, because th- then there's another stage to go through you know so i'm not saying uh i'm not saying quit when you feel um anyway it's it's a bodies of work have taken a long time typically but i've always i've been thinking about um how pictures go together and um if i'm going to a class and uh, as a visitor and showing my pictures you know i put them out on the table and i see pairings and um, um, but mostly I it's my life has been one of just as Winogrand you know said I'm just trying to survive and 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 make the money and um, keep shooting Mm. and then always thought that the world would sort of at some point you know meet me halfway and then I could start making the books how have you done that over the years what else have you done for in terms of work to survive well, I've uh, been teaching mainly. There have been some grants. Uh, there's been um, some print sales. There's been some commercial work. Um, I've been doing some fashion photography lately. So there's been a mix of stuff. Mm. How important is time to you in terms of accepting or rejecting a photograph? Do you need to look at something for a long time in order to do that? Uh, no, I think um, time helps. It helps the edit. It helps you to, um, at least it's, 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 it's helped in my case. Um, I like looking back at, you know, pictures when there's no, um, first there's no pressure. You, you do have an extra, uh, just a little extra amount of indifference, but I think to be a good photographer is to be a good editor and, um, but it's simply that there are too many things in the mix for me. I mean, I'm taking pictures, but then I'm also trying to, um, you know, do something with the house or or um, there's some project. You know, there are all sorts of things that are 
happening simultaneously. And in my 20s, I had no money at all, and it was all about, um, you know, photographing and uh, kind of shelving things, you know, mm-hmm. making some prints on small scraps of RC paper. And, um, I mean, certainly I did make some. I love my 14s. Um, I did my best, you know attempt at editing but actually I'm, I'm a much better editor of that early work than, than I was you know when I was in LA the, the pictures came back and I had a I guess I had a conde- I mean they came back I developed them and um, um, yeah, I guess I had a condenser head enlarger and the water there was very um, of poor quality and I tried to filter it out in this apartment but it's just things like these little blobs in in the film, or you know, technical problems, dust. Um, it it prejudiced me against the work in a way, and now I can just I've got a better and larger. You know, it has a uh, diffusion. You know, it's a diffuse light source, and um, you know, I can spot and uh, for scans. You know, the internet you can just um, you can just Photoshop those things out. So. Um, but I think that there there were sort of disappointments that um, or there's one picture that didn't come out and because that picture didn't come out I just had to turn away from you know others that did you know it's just kind of I'm just trying to analyze why I, I wasn't such a good editor at that time <laughs> but, so you, so, so, uh, but but now I now I have uh, you know now I'm set up great I mean this is I'm just in a great position and. Um, What's your setup over here? You have uh, I've got a dark room. I've got an uh, assistant working for me. I've got like uh, all this print storage. Yeah, it's great. You're organized. Yeah, I'm, I'm organized. Um, yeah, and before I wasn't. <laughs> no, but it's you know. Did that bother you? Like, I mean, so you're making work. You were you weren't really. I think it bothered me. I think it bothered me. I didn't. I didn't acknowledge it, but I think. I think it. Um, I think I felt frustrated that I had all this work and um, was pretty much unknown. And um, but there were always certain rewards. You know, there were there were um, things kept kind of happening at a clip so it might have been a very small quantity of my work that was getting out but um so when did your work first become known i mean it's always been it's it's always had some um i think it's always been shown but it's too um you know i showed in the 80s in new york this old gallery the the midtown y photography gallery that michael spano ran and um you know that was my community. It was small. It's like nonprofit. You know it. It. I. It, but I was known to photographers. Um, a big show was uh, new photography at MoMA. That was. Um, Which you were in. I was in. I was in. Um, That's pretty cool. No, it was great. It, it was a large <laughs> show. I had. I had a. I had a, like twenty pictures in there. Oh and, wow! And so it wasn't like a small little thing. There were four photographers, and everybody had. Um, fairly ample space and um was that your first like big yes it's sure sure so, yeah. i mean that's that's Must been a huge that's still i mean it's still because i haven't shown i i show i sh- had a really big show in italy with 50 plus pictures at a at a photo festival there in savignano and that was that was just gorgeous in some ancient building and good light and um 
you know, a lot of pictures. And, um, and then I had a fairly large show at the Ogden Museum in New Orleans, um, let me see, early 2015. Hmm. But I haven't had so many big shows. But I've also been, I've been working on books. I can't do, it's kind of a good thing I haven't been having good shows, at least for me to actually, I mean, because I can't, I'm making, you know, I make the prints. I, it's, it's, you can't uh, do it all. I can't do it all. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm doing, you know, I'm a, I'm a film photographer. Um, no digital? No, I've got my iPhone. I, I've, got a, I've got a Leica digital, which I tried using. and um, Not the same. It's not the same. It doesn't... Uh, the, the digital prints don't grab me. You know, if I, ha- I, if I work with somebody... There's somebody I've worked with in Boston who's helped make some prints from, like, damaged negatives, and they match... I have to say they do match the uh, silver gelatin. and they look pretty good. Um, but it's kind of has to be behind, you know, glass and matted um, for me to feel like it's okay. Then it's just an image. You know? Do you feel the same way about color? Um, like digital color and printing? Oh, well, I think you have to do digital color and printing, yeah. I think the the whole color RC was booby-trapped, you know, it just was, wasn't going to last long. Um, yeah. Hmm. But I think there's something about silver, just the way silver sits on paper that, um, maybe people don't recognize it, but it feels different to me, Hmm. you know? Um, it's kind of like some people love, um, vinyl records and some people are okay with CDs, you know? Right. And some people are not, you know? Right. What are you working on now? I have a project with the um, the High Museum of Art has commissioned me to photograph you know any project of my that I've wanted to do and I've I know what I want to photograph and have been photographing has been the Atlanta airport mm. so I've been photographing um, the outskirts um, you know the the people on the sidewalk the drop off the pickup locations um, in the terminals because I fly so much and um, pictures of the planes taking flight and pictures in planes and pictures from planes so it's very and some of the pictures are fairly abstract um so you were asking a bit about like how work has changed it seems like a, a more modern kind of approach than um i would have done earlier you know you've been revisiting uh, winnie Grand's arrivals and departures I haven't. I haven't. No? Uh, I have it there. I have it there. Why, you don't want to be influenced? You don't want to be too uh No, no, I'll I'll look at it. Uh <laughs> no, I mean no. No uh, no worries there. Um I'm happy to I'm I I'm somebody I like I like knowing exactly what everybody's done. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um just because if somebody else has done it um I don't want to like do it. You right know, and um you don't want if someone else has done it you don't want to do it or you don't I don't mind? if they if they've if they've done it the way I think is good then I don't want to do it right you know I mean I'm just it's just I want other people to do some work you know that I can <laughs> but um no I'm I'm a I I'll look at pictures uh, oftentimes like I'll I'm t- I teach a, quite a bit and 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 uh you know I'll mention references to people and it's I mean, oftentimes people are doing work that's been done before, and um, 
you know, they need to recognize that. And you, you, want, you want to recognize that so that you can build from it. You want to supersede the work. You want to put some twist on it in some way. Elevate it somehow. Yeah, shape it, but into your, you know, because you have a particular energy and, and uh, so infuse it your way, you know. I mean, you asked at the start about meditation, and I think uh, meditation is about refining yourself and refining your energy. And, and I think that uh, um, photography is a vehicle for this too, you know, and um, it shows in um, people's work, you know, who've, who've kind of done the work to um, investigate themselves, mm. you know. What's the expression? Look, something. Look inward to go outward. Yeah, go, yeah, go, go, yeah. Uh, Take from the outside. Go. Uh, yeah. I forget the quote. But well, I don't know. I, I, there's um, I'll mangle this, but Cardi Brisson has a quote. You know, one eye is closed inward. One eye looks outward. Hmm. And I think somehow I think the word Nikon in Japan might it might mean that. But maybe you can Google that. Really? <laughs> yeah, something like yeah. Hmm. Maybe I'm crazy. But. It's really beautiful being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're 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 welcome. Thank okay. you. Okay. That was my conversation with Mark Steinmetz that we recorded in Athens, Georgia. This episode was produced by me, Jordan Weitzman, and was edited by Crystal Duhame. Music in this episode by Damien Lazarus, Michelle Macklem, Poddington Bear, and the Monks. If you'd like to know more about this interview series, visit us at magichourpodcast.org. I'm Jordan Weitzman, and thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.